Happy Halloween. This is Nixon Quacks Windshield Repair, podcast number 16. Welcome back. Bienvenidos. This is your host, Nick Ramirez, or Nick RZ. Today's podcast will cover updates as Ford and Stellantis reach a tentative agreements with the United Auto Workers Union. The California DMV slams the brakes on robo-taxi startup Cruise. Another update on the EV battery charging infrastructure, plus news on our post-pandemic car theft crime wave, and also where next year's Auto Glass Week will be held. So relax, it won't be scary, no tricks, but plenty of sweet treats as we slip into Halloween. So relax, take off your mask as I jump on the gas. Enjoy the ride. All right, then, I'd like to start off the news segment with a story that's kind of scary. Uh, post-pandemic crime waves slightly down from peak, except for car theft. As reported by the Bay Area News Group and Vice Motherboard, a internet news source, both reported in September of this year. A recent analysis by the Council on Criminal Justice, a nonpartisan think tank, revealed a hopeful trend. The national pandemic era spike in crime may have peaked, with one glaring exception, car theft. According to the report by the CCJ, the number of vehicle thefts was 33.5% higher in the first half of 2023 than the same period of 2022. The data shows 23,974 more auto thefts in statistics collected from 37 American cities. One major reason city police and officials point to are the millions of Kias and Hondas that are apparently easy targets by car thieves. For now, most automakers equip their vehicles with electronic immobilizers, devices that prevent cars from starting unless a radio ID code is detected by the associated or owner's key. However, from 2011 to 2022, Kia and Hyundai sold about 9 million vehicles without the basic anti-theft device. Adrian Diaz, the Seattle, Washington police chief, reported close to 6,000 of these types of cars have been stolen this year alone. Diaz also reports more than a third of the cars stolen in August of this year were Kias and Hyundais. Several U.S. cities, including Seattle, are suing the Korean car maker, claiming it should have known they were creating unsafe products and they, not the public, should bear the cost of their decision to sell the cars. Kia Hyundai say they are doing all they can to help the situation by offering a software update that they claim fixes the problem. The car maker also has given some police departments anti-theft steering wheel locks to hand out to affected owners. Statistics from the most affected cities cite Chicago is one of the main cities targeted by car theft. According to Chicago's, the Chicago's mayor office, 
approximately 500 cars were stolen in the second half of last year, 2022, but shot up to 8,350 this year with more than half Kia and Hyundai's. Social media platforms have also come to share the blame with how-to videos having been circulated. Vice.com or Motherboard recently published a report showing stats from 59 American cities that also includes data from lawsuits by 17 cities against Kia and Hyundai. This report cites the car maker did not install the anti-theft devices in lower-end models and are in only 26% of the cars had them installed as late as 2015. Besides Chicago, other cities with high rates of these car thefts include Denver, Atlanta, Los Angeles, Milwaukee, Washington, D.C., Portland, and Columbus, Ohio. Anti-theft devices are required by law in Canada, but not in the U.S. My next report, Ford Motor Company in Stellantis and the UAW reach a tentative agreement to end the strike, reported by the USA Today Network and also the Associated Press during uh, October of this month. So late Wednesday night, which was the 25th, Ford Motors and the United Auto Workers Union tentatively agreed to a contract. Since that announcement, UAW officials has also announced they've reached a deal between them and Stellantis, according to the Associated Press. This was announced late Saturday, October the 28th. The deals still must be ratified by union members and leaves only GM to come to terms with the union. By closing additional GM and Stellantis manufacturing plants earlier in the week, UAW President Sean Fain was quoted as saying, quote, Ford knew what was coming for them if we didn't get a deal. That was checkmate, unquote. According to sources familiar with the agreement, Ford workers will receive an 11% wage increase the first year, which totals to 25% over a four-and-a-half-year period. The Ford UAW workers will also receive a $5,000 ratification bonus plus cost-of-living adjustments. The deal cumulatively raised the top wage by 30% to over $40 per hour. Starting wages will increase 68% to over $28 per hour and provides a raise of more than 150% to the lowest paid workers at Ford over the life of the contract. Some workers will receive a 85% increase upon ratification of the agreement. UAW workers will reinstate lost benefits during the Great Recession. Some of the other perks the UAW and Ford agreed to were improving retirement benefits for recurrent retirees, those workers with pensions, and those with 401k plans. Local union leaders from around the country elected by members will travel to Detroit to review the potential deals prior to a ratification vote. Ford employs 57,000 hourly workers represented by the UAW, which is the largest employer of U.S. Union auto workers in the auto industry. Should the deal be ratified, about 20,000 workers will go back to work at factories in Michigan and Illinois. For Stellantis, the deal could mark 
the six-week work stoppage and put more than 14,000 workers back to work at assembly plants also in Michigan and in Ohio, plus parts warehouses across the nation. Most of the main points of the deal at Ford will carry over to Stellantis and would run through the end of April 2028. The UAW Stellantis deal also hires back 12,000 workers at the Idle Belvedere, Illinois plant and the addition of 1,000 workers at a new battery factory, according to the UAW. The strike still goes on against General Motors, the one remaining of Detroit's big three, as they continue to negotiate with the UAW. Overnight update, General Motors has apparently come to an agreement with the UAW. My next report, California DMV slams the brakes on San Francisco cruise robo-taxis. This was reported by the Bay Area News Group uh, on October 25th of this month. And there was also a late report, uh, also uh, re reported by the Bay Area News Group. California's Department of Motor Vehicles has stopped GM's cruise robo-taxis from operating in San Francisco due to the involvement in several incidents and pose, quote, an unreasonable risk to the public, unquote. A more recent update reported late Thursday, the 26th of this month, by the San Francisco Standard reports Cruz has decided to remove all driverless robo-taxis off the roads nationwide. Quote, the most important thing for us right now is to take steps to rebuild the public trust, unquote, Cruz reported on X, formerly Twitter. In early August, just a couple of months ago, the CPUC, the California Public Utilities Commission, gave Cruz, Cruz and Google-backed spinoff Waymo the green light to operate 24 hours and charge fares to customers for the autonomous self-driving car rides in San Francisco. As reported in my last podcast, shortly after approval, several incidents by the robo-taxis were reported and drew blowback by many public, private, and competing Nash traditional ride-hailing companies. Critics of the emerging technology point to the robo-taxis obstructing emergency vehicles, bottlenecking city traffic, and causing accidents. Aaron Peskin, San Francisco Board of Supervisors president, described the autonomous tech as, quote, a recipe for death, unquote. Peskin applauded the DMV's suspension on crews, saying that, quote, the vehicles were not ready for prime time, unquote. Cruise spokesman Navidet Forgani was quoted as saying the company develops and deploys the driverless cars, quote, in an effort to save lives, unquote. One particular incident focused on an accident in early October involving a pedestrian being hit by another vehicle, not the robo-taxi. However, the pedestrian fell onto the path of the driverless car, which braked hard but still ran over the woman. The order said the car dragged the lady 20 feet at 7 miles per hour before stopping. The DMV requested the additional footage of the incident but received it 10 days after the initial meeting. Cruz disputed the DMV's allegations, saying it showed the complete video footage to DMV representatives many times. The recent stoppage of Cruz robo-taxis came shortly after the CPUSC gave them the August go-ahead 
and then soon after the DMV demanded crews to cut its active fleet to no more than 50 vehicles during the day and 150 at night. Also in August, the San Francisco Fire Chiefs, City Police and Transit officials cited nearly 600 documented unexpected stops since June of this year, with the majority of them cruise vehicles. Peskin also reportedly said the robo-taxis interfered with emergency responders more than 60 times. Crews can continue to operate the cars with a backup human driver. To get its permits back, Cruz would have to provide the DMV about how it addressed the deficiencies that led to this suspension. Cruz claims that its self-driving taxis, when measured against humans driving ride-hail vehicles, have been involved in 65% fewer collisions in comparable environments. In the most recent statement from Cruz, as reported by the San Francisco Standard, quote, Part of this involves taking a hard look inwards and how do we work at cruise, even if it means doing things that are uncomfortable or difficult. In that spirit, we have proactively paused driverless operations across all of our fleets while we take time to examine our processes, systems, and tools and reflect on how we can better operate in a way that will earn the public trust, unquote. Charging Infrastructures for EVs. In my last podcast, I now want to update our talk about a different view on EV charging infrastructure in California. For starters, California is not the only place struggling with the rollout of reliable, safe, and convenient charging stations. Japan has suffered as well with Toyota-owned Lexus now looking to turn this around to reduce potential EV customers' anxiety about EV ownership. In January of this year, Lexus started offering buyers of the Lexus RZ450e ways to enhance their BEV or battery electric vehicle experience. Working with ChargePoint, a leading public EV charging network and home charger installation equipment provider, QMerit, Lexus' goal is to provide RZ customers the tools and services to help them understand their charging requirements so they have confidence in their EV expectation and experience. So how long does it take to fully charge the RZ? According to Lexus, it takes about 50 hours using a 120-volt outlet, 9.5 hours with a 32-amp, 240-volt plug. Lexus also claims you can get an 80% charge with a DC fast charger up to 150 kilowatts in about half an hour. By the way, you can use Tesla charging station for your Lexus today, but to use the Tesla supercharger, you will need to wait until next year and use an adapter. Lexus CEO Takashi Watanabe recently told reporters the company is investigating building its own EV charging network in Japan, just like Tesla did many years ago. Watanabe said, quote, If it can win over Japanese customers, it should be able to win over customers anywhere, unquote. Other automakers, including Mercedes-Benz, Audi, and Porsche, have also said they may create their own charging networks in the future. One final announcement. Next year's Auto Glass Week will be held in Orlando, Florida on September 19th through the 21st. So, be sure to attend. That wraps up podcast number 16. 
For my next podcast, I will review and update the ratification of all three deals Ford, Stellantis, and GM made with the UAW. I also hope to have news stories related to the public EV's enthusiasm for EVs, or has that begun to slow down? The truck stop, truck stops EV ex- upgrade and expansion, and also other breaking auto glass news. But before I go, please visit me at www.nicksandcracks.com. Our website is back up. That's N-I-C-K-S-N-Q-U-A-C-K-S dot com on the web. So until next time, if you need a windshield services or if you need ADAS calibration, go online to my website. That's nixonquacks.com. Call me to set up an appointment. Have a safe but fun and scary Halloween and take care of your windshield. Adios, muchachos. <laughs>